This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. One in two women experience a UTI at least once in their lifetime. 40% of those are seeing repeated episodes of UTIs anywhere in the range of four to six a year. From a healthcare perspective, this is quite a burden because physicians see this as the second most common infection coming to their offices, and it's one of the top five reasons why ER visits are reported. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we'll discuss the natural treatment of UTIs. We'll learn about exercise for your brain. We'll find out about the health risks of EMFs. And lastly, we'll hear about the best bar bites in Toronto. But first, a little bit of business. Urinary tract infections are the worst and can come back again and again, making life miserable. Utiva is a 100% natural daily supplement that stops UTIs before they start. Utiva is recommended by doctors, drug-free, and made in Canada. For an exclusive 25% discount, visit us at utivahealth.com. That's U-T-I-V-A-Health.com. Or call us at 1-888-622-3613. That's 1-888-622-3613. Faraz Namani is the founding partner of Utiva. Faraz is a mechanical engineer with a master's in healthcare management. Before co-founding Utiva, Faraz has worked in Johnson & Johnson. He's personally driven in ensuring Utiva helps reduce the burden UTI has on patients' lives and the healthcare system. Our other guest, Leslie Hayden, is a longtime sufferer of UTIs. Leslie holds a PGD in performance psychology and neurolinguistic programming and works globally as a communication strategist and executive leadership coach. She is a passionate health enthusiast and is currently writing an ebook with the Utiva team entitled Not Again Your Guide to Managing UTIs. Welcome to the Tonic, both of you. Thank, Thank you, you, Jamie. Hi, Thanks Jamie. for having us. So, UTIs, it's a topic that we've not covered in the show before. Uh, for us, perhaps you can give us a little bit of background. Um, how common are UTIs and who's experiencing UT UTIs the most? So thanks, Jamie. Let's review some uh, Canadian statistics on urinary tract infections. A lot of people don't know this, but one in two women experience a UTI at least once in their lifetime. Wow. 40% of those are seeing repeated episodes of UTIs anywhere in the range of four to six a year. From a healthcare perspective, this is quite a burden because physicians see this as the second most common infection coming to their offices, and it's one of the top five reasons why ER visits are, are reported. So it is quite an issue, but it's also for those that are suffering it need to know that it is fairly common. So people are going to emergency rooms with UTIs? Correct, because it is painful, and in order to get it in control, they need, they need to get it treated, they need to get it checked, and it's oftentimes going to walk-in clinics, but if the walk-in clinics are not open, right. and this is a UTI late at night, they're in the ERs. Okay, so this is this is really stressing uh, the emergency rooms. It's an issue uh, as well. So who experiences UTIs? Who gets them? Is it a, is it everybody? It's mostly women right. who, who do experience UTIs, 
but it is men get them too. And it ranges from all ages. So kids sometimes get UTIs, sexually active women, sometimes because of menopause, hormonal imbalances, even the postmenopausal growth. But a growing trend is amongst the seniors who, who are starting to see a lot more UTIs than normal. And it could be because of a variety of different reasons. Do we know what those reasons are? Do you know? Yeah, some of the most common reasons for UTIs is the number one basic thing, which is lack of hydration. Like huh. we're not drinking enough water on on a daily basis as much as we should be taking, which is anywhere from eight to ten glasses of water a day. But it's also the way the bacteria travels. So women experience a lot more UTIs, and it could be because of could be hygiene, could be sexually induced, could be even travel or swimming or hot tubs. Like these are very common reasons why UTIs trigger. But sometimes it's not even that. For people who have been in this cycle of UTIs, it could be something as simple as anatomical, right? So they don't know what's causing it. They're trying to get everything in control in their life, but it's anatomical, could be hormonal, could be even antibiotic resistance because the number one treatment for UTIs is antibiotics, but people need to know or physicians need to figure out which bacteria is causing it and to treat that specific one. So UTIs, are they only bacterial or are they fungal or viral? Bacterial. What is the most common way of treating uh, UTI if it's bacterial then? So the treatment is always antibiotics okay. for, for UTIs. And one of the things that people should be looking out for is how can they early detect Okay. A urinary tract infection. And symptoms, uh, for those who experience it, they, they look for the symptoms, but there's also urine test strips on okay. the market. Well, let's let's start with symptoms. So what are the symptoms if somebody's never experienced before? What, obviously, pain is, is one of them. Pain is one of the biggest ones. The other one is frequency of urination, any sort of burn or urge. Sometimes it's even smell. These are the most common symptoms for urinary tract infection. And again, those should not be ignored because one of the issues with urinary tract infections that could be is it could lead to kidney damage. It could cause a lot more complications. So it needs to be early detected. And and that's why a lot of people show up to the emergency departments or or walk-in clinics. So you mentioned the strips. Does that mean you can go to the drugstore and and get strips to test yourself before you go to the doctor? That's correct. And many, many Canadians do not know this, but pharmacies such as Rexall do carry urinary tract infection test strips, which are just like pregnancy test strips, but they can be used for early detection. Um, Utiva is one of those companies that do have a UTI test strip, okay. so they can look for that in their natural food stores or even Rexall pharmacies for early detection. Fantastic. Okay, so your company, which is Utiva, has a product out which helps in dealing with this issue. So it's not an antibiotic though, is it? That's correct. It is not an antibiotic. What is it? So Utiva is very focused around prevention. Okay. So where treatment is always antibiotics, but what people want to do is prevent the next UTI from coming on. And and as a focus on prevention, our company has a non-antibiotic prevention option. And why I say it that way is because it is very common for people who have a lot of UTIs to be taking antibiotics right. for prevention. Which wrecks havoc with your system. If you've taken a lot of antibiotics, it, it deals, you know, it can ruin your flora. You know, there's all kinds of side effects. So a natural product, which is preventative is, is a great thing. Is a great option. Right. So what, what's the science behind it? How does it work? Yeah. So Utiva is, is very carefully embedded in a lot of clinical research and clinical studies. So it is 100% natural. Okay. It is non-prescription. So people can get it over the counter and it is cranberry based. 
But one of the things that people would ask is, well, there's a lot of cranberry supplements on the market, so what does right. this have? Right. So it does have the bioactive, which is in a very high dose from the cranberry, and that is called proanthocyanidins. So for all the consumers listening out there who, who shop around and look for prevention methods, they must look for the active ingredient, which is proanthocyanidins. And there's a we short call, form, right? PACs? I was just going to say. Yeah. PACs are the short form, P-A-C. And what you want to look for is how much of the PACs are in the cranberry 100% natural option that they're taking. And... And, and clinical studies show this is you need 36 milligrams of PACs on a daily basis to okay. prevent the UTIs from coming back. So this is a product that you would take, uh, like once you would take once a day, just like you would take an, another supplement. And, exactly. Okay. Now, is this recommended for everybody, or is this just somebody who might be susceptible to uh, UTIs? It is recommended for everybody. If you look at cranberry in general, it's a superfood. Right. There's just not enough that you could take of it on a daily basis. Well, I was going to say, like, if you were going to if you were going to drink cranberry juice, if you decided you didn't want to take a supplement, but you wanted to to get the benefit of the pack, and you wanted to get it right from the source, how much cranberry juice would you need to drink? You would need to drink at least eight to ten glasses of cranberry oh, juice well, and really? not have it diluted. Now, now right? I like my cranberry juice, but I don't know that I like it eight to ten glasses worth. So that's that's a fair bit. And you're saying the one supplement replaces all that. The once-a-day pill replaces all that juice, uh, which has a lot of sugar usually as well. Right, exactly. As well as other cranberry supplements just don't even call out the bioactive, which is really, really important to look for, is the packs. Okay, can you explain like what the packs, what does it do? For the body? Like, how does it prevent the UTI? That's a great question, Jamie. And, and this is where the science comes in, and, and that's where we invest a lot of our attention. So, the PACs work as an anti adhesion. So, what it does is it actually attaches itself to the bacteria on a daily basis. So, whenever people take one capsule, it keeps flushing their urinary tract from the bacteria. And okay. what it's doing is it's preventing this bacteria from attaching itself to the urinary tract wall, which is where it starts the irritation and the symptoms. So the packs attach and naturally flush, and they also protect the bladder wall on a daily basis by forming a barrier on it. So it's got the protection as well as the natural flush. So when you're saying it's attaching, it's attaching to the body and not the bacteria, correct? It's attaching to both. Oh, so I'm really? glad you clarified okay. that. So it's attaching itself to both the bacteria to flush it okay. if it's present. Otherwise, it's protecting it on the bladder wall to prevent the next bacteria from attaching to it. And I understand that within the medical community, we have doctors that are, are recommending this, the PACs uh, f for this, correct? That is correct. So, you know, in many years, like a lot of uh, doctors, mainly urologists, urogynies, and, and even family physicians, were never really prescribing or recommending a natural product. And what they're doing now is in their guidelines, they've actually called on proanthocyanidins, the packs from the cranberry as being effective and emerging evidence having that to support prevention. So GPs are recommending it, urologists are recommending it, and Utiva is one of the only ones in Canada. I think we are the only one who have invested to make sure that we have the packs from the cranberries and the right dosage to prevent the UTI from, from coming back. Okay. Like anything else, there may be contraindications or there may be people that perhaps this product isn't right for. Is that the circumstances with Utiva? So with Utiva, it is safe. Okay. It is 100% it is uh, natural. So it is safe for any interactions with either your antibiotic or other of your other medication. The two things that people are most concerned about is blood thinners because historically cranberries aggravate 
either kidney stones or blood thinners, and we have removed those components from the cranberry extract because a lot of physicians want to make sure that their patients do not have this interaction, so we right. remove it and we test it. So it is it is quite safe for people. Who so there's there's no contraindications whatsoever for the product? Not for your TIVA. We have to put it on the warning as, as, as a general thing that because it is Health Canada approved and FDA right. compliant, but we actually assure everybody that it is safe. Okay. And if somebody has a pre-existing condition, it's fine? Like, for example, if they're pregnant or if they have some ailment, it's, it's all good? It is safe for both the pregnant population as well as even kids. A lot of kids experience UTIs and how are they going to take a pill? They don't need to take the pill. They can open it up and they can put the powder in it. Fantastic. Okay, so Leslie, you're here today because you suffer from UTIs, and and I guess it would be helpful to sort of hear your experience with it and and how the packs have helped you. Well, I think the first thing to say is that UTIs make life absolutely miserable. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about running to emergency. One of the other symptoms that you often get is blood in the urine. So that's a reason why you do actually see a lot of people run to emergency. Oh, I would imagine. That's, that's, that's really disturbing. Yeah. Exactly. And then the other thing is, is that you, your life is just not your own. I mean, you are literally tied to the bathroom because that sense of urgency constantly feels like you must be present. So whether you're traveling or you're working in business or so forth, you, or you always have that sense of you must run to the bathroom. Kind right. of like chewing on tin foil. <laughs> oh, it's, gosh. It's your nerves are that on fire constantly. So it really, really impacts your quality of life. There's no getting away from it. Do you mind me asking, how long have you been living uh, with the UTIs? Yeah, it's been about four years. So it started for me when I moved from Sydney, Australia to Vancouver, and it literally started uh, practically the first week that I arrived. And one of the reasons is that it is also correlated with stress. And so when you do have periods of high stress in your life, which, you know, when you move from continents, you are stressed, then that actually can cause, can very quickly, you know, your immune system comes down and you're prone to infection. So in my case, not only was I prone to this, but I have, which is not that unique and uncommon, I actually have allergies to antibiotics. Uh, And unfortunately, I'm allergic to the two top antibiotics that are commonly used with UTIs, which is CEPO and macrodantin. That's not uncommon for women actually to develop allergies to antibiotics. So I guess you have to be very proactive then. What have you been doing to sort of set yourself up so you don't get these going forward? Well, exactly. And because my background is really as a journalist and so forth, I do the research. So I really went down a rabbit hole to say, what can I do? Because I felt very strongly there's got to be some sort of solution. But, you know, in this day and age, this isn't good enough to be living a life like this, where I'm constantly tied to the bathroom or having to find bathrooms. And so there's a number of things that I do. I have to say that Utiva really, really changed my life. Once I found PAX, once I did the research and found PAX and then found a place where I could actually obtain the PAX, that changed everything. Well, that's great. So that was the first thing. Taking that on a daily basis has made such a huge difference to my life. And it's, it has given me back that quality of life. But there's a number of other things that you do as well. Another thing that people don't recognize is that the food that you eat actually really has an impact on your bladder. So give me an example of foods that you would avoid or foods that you would now choose to eat in order to help. Right. Well, unfortunately, the top one is coffee. Caffeine in any shape or form. Coffee, tea, 
carbonated drinks, even the caffeine that's found in chocolate, that is the number one stressor because that actually irritates the bladder. Okay. And when you do have UTIs, the bladder gets inflamed and you really, your key thing is to bring it down, to remove that inflammation and calm it. And so caffeine is the number one thing that we have to avoid. The second thing is, as you would think, all acidic foods. Okay. So oranges, particularly lemons. Oranges, lemons, limes, anything that's really acidic has to go because that also irritates the bladder. The third thing is anything that's tomato-based, gone. Wow. And then we must limit refined sugars and alcohol. So my worst time ever in my life was when I was in Italy because I was drinking a delicious coffee, drinking the wine, right. eating pizzas and pastas, and everything's lemon-based. You know, it was just, life was just not oh, worth no. living at that point because I spent the entire holiday in the bathroom. No good. One last question is, are there foods that you eat or, or drinks that you have now that help with the UTIs? There are a number of them that kind of calm, and everybody needs to find this out for themselves because there's a long list of how you will respond. So for me, bananas work really well when I'm going through a cycle, yep. and white rice, anything that's bland, chicken without the skin, carrots, bland, 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 really how you need to do that, just particularly when you're in the throes of it. Okay. So that, and it's, you know, it's sad, but it's worthwhile. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your firsthand information. I, I appreciate it. And for us, thank you for coming on the show today to explain all about UTIs and what we can do about it. Thank you, Jamie. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll learn all about exercise for your brain on The Tonic. Alamax Canada is the company that delivers real bioactive stabilized Allison. Using only the freshest garlic from Spain, Alamax is the trusted source for a high-quality and effective Allison supplement. The manufacturers of Alamax have dedicated their time to researching this fascinating plant and all of its antimicrobial and antibacterial benefits. To fight infection and stay well, take Alamax. For more information, visit Alamax.ca. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of The Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like The Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Welcome back. 
Our next guest, Kathleen Trotter, is a fitness expert, nutritionist, life coach, monthly guest on BT Montreal and Rogers Ottawa, and author of the books, Finding Your Fit and The New Your Fittest Future Self. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. I'm always excited, Jamie, to see you and your smiling face. My smiling face. Yeah. (laughs) But this is one of my absolute favorite topics. And it's sort of what gets me up and out of bed and to see my clients every day because the brain and how you can change the brain and patterning is super cool. All right. So I'm kind of a science dork, if you can you? tell. <laughs> I have no scientific mind. I pretend that I understand everything, but I really don't. Well, one of my favorite experiences ever was going down to uh, Phoenix for the week into a cadaver lab and dissecting all these bodies. It was amazing. Okay. That's for a different show. <laughs> okay. Totally. Let's talk about the brain. <laughs> Let's talk about the brain. Why is exercise good for the brain? Always we've known, or not always, but for the last while we've known sort of aerobic exercise is really great for the brain to increase circulation, decrease the risk of Alzheimer's, increasing cognitive power of the brain. Basically it keeps the brain alive and kicking if you want to think of it that way. Okay. But That research has normally been done on sort of mindless exercise, like rote exercise, if you think of it, right? So that's still true. It's aerobic exercise, going for a run, stuff where you can just tune off is still great for the brain. As I said, increases that circulation, blood vessels, like all of those good things. But what I am much more passionate about is the non-rote activity, the things like balance, coordination, strength training, things where you have to consciously become aware of what you're doing because more and more research is showing that when you become aware of not just how your body is moving but what you're thinking, you can actually change the brain. Um, So if you're somebody who constantly gets injured, for example, and you come work with me, what we do is change your neurological patternings. Um, So it's called Hebb's Law, which is uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. So basically, if you're used to sitting up from a chair and using your hip flexors, you're going to use your hip flexors until we retrain you to use your butt. And if you're somebody who has back issues, you know, we might need to retrain you to use your glutes and your deep core because maybe you're only using your superficial erectors of your spine and your hip flexors and then you're constantly pulling out your back. It's like a different way that it helps the brain than just the aerobic rote exercise. It so also I, just makes more things more fun. Okay, so so I, I want to understand what you're saying. So you're saying through the process of mindfully choosing which muscle groups you're going to use for proper form. Yes. You are training the brain to what? The, the, the brain benefits because it has to work during yeah, the exercise? Yeah, it's called neuroplasticity, and it's basically like new neural pathways in your body. So it doesn't just have to be with strength training. Right. If you're somebody who's been really challenged to find an exercise program you like, I would say like go try dancing or go try a new sport or go like walk sideways, which will feel weird, but it's fun and it challenges your brain because your brain is not used to making you walk sideways or, you know, move in a line dancing kind of way, like maybe you only know how to ballroom dance, so then try a different type of dancing. It's just, as I said, it keeps the brain sort of alive and adaptive. Maybe think about your brain as series of roads. And if you're always used to taking, you know, Young Street up to Eglinton, that's the pathway that you're used to taking, right? Right. But then you're like, well, I want to get to Young and Eglinton, but I want to go up Bathurst and then turn. Nobody wants to go up Bathurst. Trust (laughs) me. I drive Bathurst every day. But it's like, but you understand what I mean. It's, It's, or another way to think about it is people will often use the idea of if you've constantly been mowing the lawn in one, like always over the same pathway, then it's really easy to walk on that portion of the lawn. But it's possible to walk 
to the left, but except for the weeds are like really, really high. So you have to mow that part of the lawn. So it's you just have to retrain your brain to okay. use these different pathways. Okay. So Is that cool? Yeah, no, it makes sense. Like I think of neuroplasticity as learning new languages, learning how to play music. You know, those are the sort Absolutely, of the, our, yeah. our, our classic All of those examples. Things are, yeah. You know, or even doing puzzles where you're challenging your brain to, to problem solve. Mm-hmm. You're saying, you know, you can combine that activity with your workouts yes. and, and your brain has to sort of work through how to do these different things. So like if you were just going to run and you use the same running route all the time, your brain turns off and you're just being physical. Mm-hmm. Whereas th- this is the challenge of, you know, correcting your form and yeah. doing, you know, having your body work in different ways in, in doing different motions, which trains your brain to expand its synapses. So that Absolutely. You, yeah. And there's okay. so many different ways you can do it. So, you know, if we connect it to my overall philosophy right. so of fitness, it's like you need to find ways that work for you, that keep you motivated, that keep you engaged. This is another way of doing it, right? If you're constantly going on the elliptical or the treadmill and you're bored out of your tree, right. then you can be like, okay, I could take a Zumba class. Or I could, you know, learn how to line dance or I could try a new sport. Well, is the benefit in doing something new every single time or is it it changing it up from here? It doesn't have to be every single time. And there's so many ways to do it. So it could just be um, including a balance or coordination exercise into your warm up. That's actually one of the ways that I use it with my clients. So give an example. Yeah. So most of my clients come about five minutes early and they'll get on the treadmill and they'll do that rote cardio just to get some blood flowing. Right. And then we'll do a balance or coordination exercise. So I. I might get them to do some marching on the BOSU. I might get them to do some things where they have to change direction. I might get them to lift one leg and stand on one leg and then try closing your eyes. Vision will make you out of balance a little bit. Right. Or I might get them to do something totally wacky. Like I'll say to them, okay, you're going to face me. And if I say a fruit, you're going to move to the right. And if I say a vegetable, you're going to move to the left, something like that. Or you're going to do a squat to the right or a squat to the left. Um, Or we could make it even more fun. And I'll say, if I say fruit, you go right and you have to name a fruit. Um, And I say vegetable, you go left and you have to name a vegetable. So you also get the thinking process as well. And then they have to talk back to you. Or I could say to you, you're going to do 13 burpees, but you're going to count backwards from 101 as you do the burpees. So, you know, 101 and then 94. And so um, count backwards in counts of seven. Right? Right. So it's like different ways of engaging the brain. There's so many different ways of doing it. And if you don't want to be that kind of engaged, like you don't want to be talking out loud back to somebody as you're training, you could even something simple as like a clock lunge. So as opposed to just lunging forward, you would imagine you're in the middle of a clock and you'd lunge forward to 12 o'clock and then you come back and balance in the center and then you go to the side and you would do a side lunge to three o'clock and then you can balance to the center and then you go backwards and you do a backwards lunge to six o'clock right so you're moving in different directions um, and you could even get even more fancy where you have somebody a partner and they say one o'clock and then you lunge to one and then they say five o'clock so there's so many fun ways to to get involved um Or it could be as simple as you do squats, but you really focus on what are my knees doing while I squat? Like, are they caving in? Are they going out? Or it could be training your feet. I'm really into feet training right now. So, you know, everybody at home, take their shoes off, look at their feet and try to lift just their big toe. It's really hard. 
or keep your big toe still and try to lift all of the other four toes. It's very hard, and that's a, that's a neural pathway thing. The brain has gotten used to not connecting with your feet because you're wearing running shoes and because you're constantly, you know, in the, or in high heels or whatever. And that affects how you run and how you walk, like if your feet aren't working properly, right? right. So the body's all connected. So are you suggesting strength training because you have to be mindful of form? Is being mindful of your form and doing like a weightlifting exercise enough to engage your brain in the way you're talking about? Absolutely. But strength training is just one of them, but the mindfulness is key. I think that's the the greatest word. Whatever you're doing, whether it's dancing or um, playing a sport or doing strength training, it is about becoming aware of what you're doing. Um, and learning a new sport is a great way to do that because if you don't know how to catch that the ball in baseball, like you have to train to do that. It's a skill. Um, and eventually it becomes mindless, but before it becomes mindless, you have to retrain it. So I use the idea with my clients that you go from unconsciously incompetent, so you're doing something wrong and you're not aware of it. Right. Then you become consciously incompetent, so you're like, oh, my That's feet where are- I am all the time. <laughs> my feet- I'm conscious of my incompetence. So my feet are rolling in or my knees are rolling yeah. in, but I don't know how to fix it. Right. Then you become consciously competent, so you can do it right if you really think about it, and that's the retraining, that's the neuroplasticity. Right. Um, and then the final goal is actually with with unconscious these perfection exactly right but it's that that learning which we have attained in this show totally i love it right but unfortunately no we're so fantastic that we're done we're we didn't done. even get to talk about how you can retrain your brain habits loops next, next time. time next time <laughs> Jinx. next time on the tonic but that's all the time we have we'll be right back on the tonic The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Dr. Emily Lipinski graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto, Ontario, and is a member of the Ontario Association of Naturopathic Doctors. While in the academic world, Emily became fascinated with the potential applications of naturopathic medicine in health and wellness. She strongly believes in addressing the root cause of a medical issue and using natural therapies either alone or in conjunction with conventional Western medicine. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So sometimes people read health and wellness articles and get scared because, you know, they can be alarmist. 
or they find out that the issue being raised is false or not scientifically validated. But today we're going to discuss a topic uh, that for some has caused some confusion, and that is EMFs, right? Yes, absolutely. So what are EMFs? What does that stand for? It stands for electromagnetic field. And these are electric fields that develop through actual variances in voltage. Mm -hmm. So they're magnetic fields that essentially develop from the flow of electric current. All right. And we, we also think about this as radiation, right? Yes. So the EMF is a form of radiation. And there's, you know, we're exposed to all sorts of radiation all the time. Right. And there's non-ionizing radiation, which has often been associated with, you know, low or mid-frequency radiation. It's, it's, it used to always be perceived as harmless because it's not very potent. And those, like, examples of non-ionizing radiation is uh, microwaves, computers, Wi-Fi, cell phones. So when, we're, when most people think of EMF, most people are thinking about the non-ionizing radiation. Right. And, and just to edify, the ionizing type is sunlight, for example, right? So, yeah, well, the UV light. Yep. And x-rays, gamma, and so you'd be exposed to ionizing radiation from the sun, but also, you know, to a much stronger, higher degree if you're getting an x-ray. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, this is like when you go to the dentist and they put the big asbestos, like, apron on you when they're taking your x-ray. There's a reason for that, right? That's right. Yes. Okay. So in addition to some of the EMF sources you listed below, uh, sorry, you listed before, that also includes like Bluetooth networks and wireless networks. And, Absolutely. And Power lines, energy, smart meters at houses on the side of a house, like that smart meter, that is a form of EMF or non-ionizing radiation. Okay. So mm -hmm. are, are there health risks to the EMFs? So this is something that's been in controversy for a long time in medicine and then ulti ultimately in business too because a lot of the, you know, a lot of this electric stuff is really important for business and how businesses run and we're seeing that right now in terms of the 5G network coming to market. I don't know if you're aware of that, but we, you know, cell phones are run on 3G or 4G. Now 5G is expected to come to market. It's a much stronger form of ionizing or non-ionizing radiation, which is great for business, but there's even more people that have always been concerned about EMFs are becoming even more concerned. So some of the reasons why people seem to be concerned about this is we do have some studies that show uh, health risks. First and foremost, what most of my patients talk about is the cancer risk. Like, do cell phones cause brain cancer? Right. And we do have, we have found, actually, in multiple studies that um, if people are using their cell phones for a long period of time, especially on the same side of the head, there seems to be an increased risk of brain cancer. Hmm. So do you just switch sides? The best, actually, way to prevent is put it on a speakerphone or use headphones. Ah. That really reduces because Okay, it, so when, it's it's having the phone in proximity to your ear for extended periods is really that's the issue, right? right? Okay. Yes. And then, you know, as science goes, there have been other studies that show there's no increased risk. Right, I was going to say. I, I I mean, yes, you can point to some studies, but it's not universally agreed. Uh, right. that you know, EMFs do cause cancer. That's right. So, you know, overall, like anything in life, uh, it's exposure-based right. and length of exposure. And then there's probably, you know, there's other factors. There's genetic, you know, susceptibility, how these people have lived their life for, you know, in other areas. So 
if you have other, if you have strong risks for cancer, you're not living a healthy lifestyle, and you're on your cell phone five hours a day with always on one side ahead, you know, you might have to think about that. Okay. Right? So, so is, is having uh, a cell phone on your person a risk to, for cancer? So for example, if I have it in my hip pocket and it's always my right hip, is, is there a correlation between skin cancer? And we haven't seen that, but we've seen specifically for men, we, and we do have some really good studies showing that when men keep their cell phones in their pocket, it reduces sperm quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it reduces sperm count, motility, and variability. So multi-areas where we look at sperm, it decreases all of them. Hmm. So for fertility, you know, for someone that's not, you know, doesn't really care. For that ship, that, who, whose ship has sailed, as it right. were, yeah. But if, you know, a couple's looking to conceive, right. then that might be, you know, something to think about. We don't have as many studies showing a woman with their cell phones in their pockets, but if it's going to lower sperm count in men, what's going on? Is it doing something to the ovaries or the egg? Right. You know, but we don't know. We don't know the answer. We don't to know. That. It's also suggested that most people, myself included, because we don't know, we're not sure of the risk. If you're pregnant, you know, again, maybe keeping the cell phone away from the growing fetus would probably be a good idea because we don't really know enough yet to say conclusively one way or another will it damage or will it not. Really? Do you, Do you advise your your patients like that? To not carry the cell phone right against the growing belly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, but there's no studies that there are no studies that you can point to that suggest that there is a correlation, though. Is no, but because you know a growing a growing fetus is more susceptible, it's not that I'm saying it's going to cause you know birth defects, but it's that we have some evidence saying that these EMFs do carry some health risks. Okay. And of course, a fetus is mo- is very susceptible to certain, you know, if a mother has a toxin in her body or has some sort of toxic substance, it might not harm her that much, but it could harm the fetus more. Right. And by harm is also when we're looking at a growing fetus, it's hard to say. I don't think there's any way, I, I really don't think there's cor- correlating to birth defects and, okay. and cell phone use. But I'm just saying, you know, probably for optimal health and wellness, it's something to think about carrying the phone away from the growing belly is probably a good idea. Okay. What other types of symptomology have, have you come across with your patients? I do have some patients, especially people that identify them themselves as being very susceptible to chemical, like chemical sensitivities. Yep. Also, in this population specifically, I find they might also be more sensitive to what's classified as the neuropsychiatric effects of right. EMS. So anxiety. Uh, anxiety, but headache, fatigue, insomnia, lack of concentration, that is and we have you know just a few studies showing that um, there could be some case for that and again it's probably more so there's some people that are much more sensitive to others that would be affected by something like that right I, I don't want this interview to be used by our listeners as oh my gosh I'm not sleeping I've got headaches I, I you know it Absolutely. must be EMFs so let's let's not jump the gun right A hundred percent. It's something, you know, I really want it to be known that there's studies with EMS in both ways, that they may be harmful, but then we have some studies that show there's no harmful effects at all. So we still, it's something that 
is good to think about to keep on the to keep on the radar. Right. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that this is you know a really big scary thing and and you know everyone's going to get cancer because they've been using their cell phone. So is radar a form of EMF? <laughs> I think it is. I think it, it is. It probably is. So if you're keeping it on the radar, you want to be careful about that too. That's right. Uh, um, so the symptoms that we talked about uh, with headaches and lack of sleep are, are those essentially the symptoms of long-term exposure, or is there something else that goes along with it? Those are the main the main things that are re- reported. But again, it's such it's so much a dose related right. effect. And I think where people are having an issue here is that there because you can't see EMFs, you can't feel EMFs, radiation you can't see with the naked eye. So people might be exposed to a lot more EMFs than others and not realize it. Some someone who's having a lot of fatigue and maybe a sensitive type of person, maybe they're chemically sensitive, they might also be exposed to a lot more EMFs. Let's say if you for example, if you live in a townhouse, you are exposed and the person beside you has their Wi-Fi on and you have your Wi-Fi on and the person on the other side has Wi-Fi and across the street they have Wi-Fi and you have multiple computers in your house and you're living in a house where there's a smart meter also attached to your house. Obviously, that person, without even knowing it, is probably exposed to a lot more EMFs than someone that might be living in the country or might be living in a detached home in the city, even though it's a city. It's all about the distance to the uh, source of energy or voltage and also over time how much you're exposed to. So I really think it's difficult to say long-term effects for sure because a lot of people don't actually know how much EMF they're exposed to on a daily basis. Okay, we only have time for, for one more question. Yes. Let's say for argument's sake, you know, we were concerned about exposure to EMFs. What can we do to limit that exposure? So what I do, I don't keep my cell phone in my pocket. I turn my cell phone on, on airplane mode overnight. Mm-hmm. When I did live in a townhouse, I turned my own Wi-Fi off at night. Mm-hmm. Where your bed in the room is, is important too. So if your bed is right up against the wall, because of the power within the wall, you're obviously going to be exposed to a little bit more. So pulling your bed away from the wall. I'm speaking a lot about things that happen overnight. That is just because you're in the same room right. for the longest period of time. So the stuff you do in your bedroom is, is really most important. Not keeping a modem in your bedroom and making sure that there's not any things plugged in like you know your cell phone charger a lot of people just keep it plugged into the wall even when their cell phone's not charging that causes more current and more emf so if your cell phone's not charging just pull it out of the wall that absolutely helps fantastic uh thank you for coming on the show today thank you for having me unfortunately that's all the time we have but you're going to come back next month and discuss intermittent fasting right i will fantastic we've got to take a short break but we'll be right back on the tonic The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of The Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. 
It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Peter Marinuzzi was born and raised in Toronto's East End and came up in the restaurant industry the old-fashioned way through nepotism. His cousin, restaurateur Gio Rana, hired him as a 15-year-old dishwasher and busser and later gave him a shot as a waiter. Vito's job was as much to fight the prevailing whitewashed version of Italian food in Toronto as it was to get to people to try the good stuff. And he did. Now, as a co-owner with his famous mom of two locations of seven numbers on the Danforth and Eglinton West, Vito knows that the food his kitchens prepare not only preserve that culinary heritage, but innovate within it. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Thank you. you. Good morning. It's like yeah. I haven't been here in a while. Yeah, I know. But, but we love but having you back. Yeah, we love having you back. And I know you've been traveling, so, you know, you're fully, you know, you're relaxed at the best of times, but we have fully <laughs> relaxed Vito this I morning. I feel refreshed. Okay. So when we go out at night, and I know this is, I, when you can get away from the restaurant on a night, mm-hmm. and, and you go out, sometimes you don't necessarily want to go to a restaurant and sit down and have the three-course meal or even, you know, or even just sit down at a table at all. Sometimes no, I mean. Want, Lately, with the Raptors playoffs, it affects our business, so we've been going to a lot of non-sit-down traditional restaurants to eat and watch the game. Right, and so, you know, a logical place you might want to go is a bar, and, you know, Absolutely. Have, a, have a beer or a cider or a cocktail or a glass of wine. Historically, that meant that you might not be getting great food, but, you know, you were there for the atmosphere, but I think that's kind of changed. I think, I think that, it's changed a lot in the last five, even ten years, for yeah. sure. They evolved. I mean... It's expensive to go out today, as we all know. Right. So you can't just keep going to a restaurant, but you'll always make sort of room in your wallet for the, your local. Right. And because the beer was a beer and maybe you had a snack while you were there, and I think the local evolved and got smart and said, well, you know, they're still coming here. They may not be going to all the restaurants because the restaurants got so much more expensive. And so they've all upped their game. And you see them. I mean, we all see it. Every time you go to a bar now, there's a, a bigger beer menu, a bigger scotch menu. All of a sudden, the food is no longer just a traditional, you know, club sandwich and wings. Right. And they kicked it up because you always made room for your local. You went and supported that spot, that place in your neighborhood. Well, it's a different kind of vibe too, right? Like, yeah, for sure. It's y- casual. You may or may not bring the family, generally not. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and now, again, it's evolved where that's where you might go on a casual, you know, let's call it date night on a Wednesday to watch the game because you know that you can eat. Uh, both of you will be happy and you get to see a little bit of the game. Right. So today we're not going to discuss sort of the chain restaurants that are bars that, you know, serve wings and fries. No, I'd like to stay away from those. Every, yeah, yeah, for every, sure. Everybody knows where you can go to get some wings yep. in the yep. city and, and that that's excellent. We're talking about something else. So let, let's start with some some bars that we we both know and have been to that serve some excellent food. Like the one that I think of when I think of a bar, because it's standing room only for the most part, but the food is excellent, is, is Bar Raval. That would be, by, yeah, number one. Yeah. Like Bar Raval is really doing something that no one's ever done before. And definitely not in Toronto. I, I know that Spain has done it. Yeah. Italy has their end, like aperitivo bars. Um, but in Toronto, really not done like that. It's incredible. And the level and the quality of food is astounding. Well, also, it's a beautiful restaurant. I mean, if you go on Instagram, you can see like the, the, wood, the woodwork that, is incredible. The woodwork that flows in this entire, like it's, it's I've never seen anything like it. But it the, is gorgeous. It's, yeah. And the vibe is correct. And the standing up is at first you're, you know, like, oh, I can't bring my parents here. Right. But 
But you can. But you can. Yeah. And then, you know, and then the raw bar and the patio. And then all the staff has sort of signed up for the, like, what's going on. It's amazing. Well, let's talk about the food there because it's, it's Pincho, right? I, like it, Is that it, what it's called? Yeah. It's, it's, it's set up like a San Sebastian type place where what they do there, and this is one of the top food destinations in the world in, in the north of Spain, where you kind of go from bar to bar, you bar hop, and you have the little sandwiches on toothpicks. It's all little bites, but there's excellent Spanish food at Bar Raval. It just, it's, it, we went there for brunch like a couple weeks ago hangover brunch on a Saturday and way overdid it. Is but there yeah, any had, other kind of brunch? Well, yeah. true. But the we, we had some shrimp on toast. We had some, I believe, sardines or anchovies. Yeah, the, the in the little, little tins. Yeah, right? it was the incredible. Yeah. And then the pastries that were on the bar were unbelievable. I don't even know where they come from. Like, yeah. They obviously make them. No, for brunch, like people think of going there in the evening, but if you do go there for brunch, they have amazing sandwiches and pastries. Yep. Uh, and, you know... Small, rich in yes. flavor, so yes. people would say, "Oh, it's expensive." Well, but look, those two bites are pretty incredible, right? Like, so you're paying for the quality, which is there, correct? But it's not party of ten lounging around no. all day Sunday type of no. brunch place. Like, it's very few places to sit at all. Like at all, yeah, you're, absolutely. You're, the patio, I think, is about it, right? Uh, you're standing against sort of like a, a rail and, you know, little plates uh, and you're in and out quickly, but the food's delicious. All right, let's move on. So you have another one that you like, which is bar 416, right? Yeah, 416 snack bar. It's kind yeah. of an industry favorite. It always has been. Is that uh, Dustin? Dustin that- and I can't remember the gentleman's name. Yeah. Um, they're great. They're generally there all the time. And for us, it's an after-work spot. That's how it started back, you know, probably five years ago. Right. Um, but now it's evolved again. Like, uh, they've got amazing, you know, uh, French ciders and beers and wines and champagne and oysters. And, you know, they do like a classic Reuben sandwich, which really blows you away. And they do bao. And it's all over the map. It's very waiter-friendly because it's all rich and salty and you're drinking <laughs> and it works. And yeah. it's a small room. I don't think they've renovated or painted it. Like, it's perfect. It's everything that that we in it's the industry Vito, want to see. It's Vito aesthetic, right? Yeah, hundred percent. It's like <laughs> they put it together and it works. Okay, but no lack of business. Like it's yeah, it's no, no, crushing. Yeah, for sure. Another one which has been around forever, and I have to say, I I I'm born and raised in Toronto, and I'm in my fifties. I've never been here, but obviously I've passed it a million times, and that's Sneaky D's. Oh right? wow. That's Never been, the, right? I, still delivers. Yeah, that's the classic. Yeah. You know what? We we still go there for the nachos at midnight. We'll finish somewhere, something, doing whatever, whatever maybe. Even to dinner. We went out for like a guy's dinner early one night. Yeah. And then went for drinks, and we went to watch live music. And of course, we finished at Sneaky D's. And I got to say, they still deliver perfectly messy, big, huge plate of nachos. They serve pitchers of beer. Like you're, it's like maybe I'm, I'm 47, you're 50. Like it's like reliving a little bit of your youth. Yeah, they're still doing it though, perfectly fine. Like perfect. Okay. Well, yeah. there's something to be said for that. You know, okay. but then they're like, "What's your local? Like, what's your local? If you want to call something a local pub slash bar." I I I, li- I live in the area of the city where you can get a bowl of soup and a sandwich. Oh, like, okay. there's there's not a lot of bars. I'm I'm more suburban than urban. Yeah, like I, on Eglinton, I consider the Abbott like our sure. local, and okay. they do great quality food. They do some smoked uh, ribs and stuff like that. Yeah, it's yeah. good. And then on the Danforth, we have a few. I was gonna say, yeah, like like. You know, Allen's is the classic. Of course. Patio's beautiful. Their burger's excellent. Uh, the quality, again, is there, and they're and delivering it, I don't know, 20, 25 years. Still doing an amazing job. And then on our block, we have the old spot. Right. No, and that's that's a good example of a, 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 your local bar that probably did beer and wings initially. Right. And evolved. And now they're serving, you know, 
crab from Newfoundland and a wild boar burger with lobster on it. Oh, wow. Right? And then the great selection of beers and the rest of it. So, like, it's really an amazing restaurant, but no, it's just a local bar. Okay. So, you know, they've done a good job at evolving with the times. Okay, so like we don't have anything local, but for example, when we go downtown, sometimes you'll you'll go to a restaurant and you don't have a reservation, so you kind of got to go entertain yourself for a while. Yeah. And and the you know, the restaurant will say, "Well, why don't you go down to the bar down the street?" So we ended up going to the Caledonian while we were waiting for a, a table at another restaurant, but you have it on your list as did a, you? I didn't order any food there. So oh, what, what it's did like I miss? Classic Scottish. Okay. Like, I mean, they have well, haggis. I'm not having haggis. They have haggis on the menu as a staple. Like it's on the menu. It's not a special. It's not a. It's on the menu. Okay. So they've really. So stuck. when you go out drinking, you're gonna go well, have some haggis. Come on. A lot of the um, Instagram youth would order it strictly because it's cool. Okay, I know I'm gonna get phone calls for this, but when I think of Scottish, I, like, I don't think of Scottish cuisine. I like I hear jokes about deep fried Snicker bars, right? Like yeah, they serve them there. I'm sure they do yeah, on the menu. That's a national yeah, yeah. dish, right? So, okay, so what else would you have there at the Caledonia? I've only I honestly have only been there twice. Once we drank, and once we had the, yeah, <laughs> the haggis. I mean, yeah, it's great. like a haggis burger. Like they cook something oh in it God. and then make it into something, and then we had a Snickers bar, of course, because that's, <laughs> that's you. Yeah. Um, that's, so this that's is very a West Side. This is really a health and wellness show. We're just you know we're telling you if you're going to go off the wagon, this is one of the places that's, you might want to go. That's where I was going to go next. The only thing that the bar hasn't evolved to is health. Right. So I can't think, everything I had on my you know, my mind that I was going to talk about, nothing is healthy. That's nothing. okay. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's, it's not- time. Like it's time that your local bar can serve. What, bowls? You want a bowl when you... Maybe... <laughs> Yeah, probably like, salad is as far as you're going to get. Like, what's the point of going out and having a, a beer and having tofu with it? Like, uh, like, come on. Like, I'm a health and wellness guy. But yeah, but I mean, sometimes you want to go to, you want that beer and you want to watch Raptors game, but you'd rather have a salad or a, oh, I got a vegan burger. That's a terrible example. But like, not wings. Okay. Like, I mean, you don't want to be. Most of the food at the bar is fried, and if it's not fried, it's meat. Okay. So I, th- I just think like they, there's one more step for them to go to. Okay, um, and I'm, I'm, you'll see it. I mean, it's coming. There's salads. You, you know, maybe maybe, maybe maybe an approach to that is, is to go to a restaurant but sit at the bar because you know in Toronto it's become like New York. You know, some restaurants you need to sort of book a month in advance, and yep. you know, sometimes you decide you want to go somewhere. What I find is that you know, if you're willing to sit at the bar. It's You're going to get a experience. table every time. Right, and maybe get a little bit of healthier food. So, for example, one place that we go to, and that I know you're familiar with, is Bar Isabel, where yep. we sit at the bar. Uh, and you can have a full meal, but you can also have your, your tapas and have amazing drinks there. And you can maybe perhaps a little healthier, because they have their salads there. Yeah, they got great stuff. Well, that's like Rodney's and okay, Rodney's. Isabel are two bars that we, like if we're both rarely, like, we're having a date night, yeah. that, that'll be number one and number two. Love the bar at Rodney's. There's a good answer. Bartender's great. The show is awesome. He's shucking. Right. Yeah. And yeah, sure, on the Shellf- healthy side. So Shellfish is healthy. She's happier than me going for wings. Okay. Uh, and then Isabel, yeah, we just went. Like we had a you know a bottle of rosé and uh, we split a fish. Fantastic. Perfect. Terrific. That's all the time we have today, but you're going to come back next month and we'll chat more restaurants, Yeah, right? hopefully we'll have more time. Excellent. Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us on Facebook at The Tonic Talk Show or at Jamie Busson on Instagram. For great articles written by Emily Lipinski and Faraz Nomani, please be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. 
Tonica is available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss the top tips for optimal sleep, emotionally focused therapy, the importance of lunch, and Protein 101. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.